we're live! Hello, Asylum Wrestling Store. Hello, Asylum. Hello, We Can't Wrestle. Hello, WrestleNet Radio. Hello, all of these platforms. Nate Maxson and David Gold here bringing you some Maximum Gold. How do you like that? Maximum popcorn stuffage. (laughs) Guys, if you haven't tried it, pop some popcorn, melt a little bowl of butter, and then pour some butter on top, and then sprinkle some Old Bay seasoning on your popcorn. It's heaven in a in a bowl. When David told me about it, all I could think of was that sounds delicious. Delicioso, yeah. as they would say. For those of you that don't know, Maximum Gold is a show that we do for WrestleNet Radio. And um, we've done a couple of cool concepts. We rebooked some WrestleManias. I had some a lot of fun with that one. We got to go back to that at some point. Rebook some more manias or... Rebook a, uh, a SummerSlam or two, something like that. I really enjoyed that, the fantasy booking. This time, we had a discussion a few weeks back about, you know, in a couple of times in the in the history of WWF slash WWE, they have had some fantastic tag team rosters. Not just them, other companies too, WCW. But it seems like there's times where there's this perfect storm of fantastic tag teams on one roster. And the two that I thought were, and David kind of agreed with me, the late mid to late eighties WWF tag roster and then the Attitude Era tag team roster. So we decided to talk about the Attitude Era tag team roster this time around. And feel free to chime in because uh, we're doing this show. This I think this is the first time we're doing it live. It so feel free to comment and and chime in your your uh, the folks and tag teams that you enjoyed in the nineties and during the Attitude Era and and because they might be different from who we list. Yes. We want to hear it. So it's going to be fun. I, I created a team, not in any particular order, but uh, I want you to run down your top 10. We'll go through your top 10 and then I can comment on if I had list. Cause I just, I listed probably there's probably 15 teams here from my memory that stood out from the attitude era to me. So I figure we'll let your top 10 guide us through this. And uh, we can comment on those teams. And like David said, if anybody wants to comment and chime in, feel free. I think we should do one for one. Like I do one and you do one. Okay. That'll work. So I'm going to start with my 10th ranked team. And guys, if you, um, I'm going to change the order, but if you Google this, I agreed with the sportster.com. They had a list of tag teams too. I did a little research because I wanted to remind myself Mm-hmm. Of some of the teams, but so I'm not going to go in any particular order on this. But my first team that I picked that I thought didn't get enough credit and didn't have a long enough run that they should have was Mankind and Kane. Yeah, and I don't have them on my list, but you're right they they were they were they were a co- they were a very cool team, and the story they told with them was cool. You know, were they were they friends? Were they just linked up because of Paul Bearer? You could never really tell. Um, they had that series with Austin and the Undertaker um, in '98, leading into SummerSlam, and then the dumpster. Did they they have a dumpster match with the Outlaws at SummerSlam? I think. I believe they did. I know him and uh, uh, Chainsaw Charlie had a dumpster match with the Outlaws at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that uh, Kane and Mankind. Uh, they also did a lot of singles matches and then ran in for each other. So there wasn't, um, there was some matches where they didn't wrestle as a, as a tag team, but uh, they're, they're uh, turning Paul Bearer heel and going with mankind. 
gave it a different aspect. People were getting stale on the whole Undertaker, Paul Bearer stuff. So they added a different swing to it and said, we're going to turn Bearer heel. We're going to change his hair brownish blonde. We're going to mm-hmm. take away the makeup. We're going to make him more of a human, right? Like a, a human. One of my favorite lines ever, ever, just because of the the double meaning of it is when Paul Bearer turns on, I know this is getting off the tag team thing, but like you said, talking about changing Paul Bearer, when he turns on Taker at SummerSlam 96 on the Raw after, he says, I was, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> and it was just, it was cool, you know, because the character always looked so ghoulish and he had the rings under it, the black, black rings under his eyes. And, yep. Yeah. But yeah, and I just enjoyed it. I thought Paul played the role perfect. People hated him, which means mm-hmm. that was good, right? When someone right. hates you, you're you're doing your job appropriately. When I was a kid, I hated his guts. I went from loving the guy to hating him. I had a love hate relationship with him. Um, I hated Kane, you know, the evil brother. Yeah, and then mankind sprinkled in. It, it just made for some awesome tag matches and I felt like they didn't do their run long enough. So that was my first team that I picked was uh, Mankind and Kane. And a lot of folks wouldn't even have listed them because of how short the run was. Mm -hmm. Two great workers matched up together. And like I said, with a, with a really cool intertwining storyline with the undertaker and stone cold. And that summer of 98 with those four guys, taker, stone cold, mankind and Kane all interchanging with each other. That was some great stuff on television. The first team I have here listed actually also involves Kane, and it was the Brothers of Destruction. Yeah, you can't. I mean, and they've had so many iterations of it, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout. And I'm a component that would argue that the Attitude Era lasted until about 02. Yeah. Ish. So you can even count when they had their run when he was the, the biker and Kane was the, you know, he had the mask and it, but it was half on, half off. So um, I agree with that one. That's a, a solid uh, choice, in my opinion. They, they um, like you said, they, they, they had many iterations of the team. Um, every time it was successful. And you – you, you look back on it now and you realize that you were living through. We didn't, I guess we didn't realize it at the time we were living through such a substantial era. We were lucky to live through, you know, and be, be of age during that time because I know I, I'm not going to get off on the new product. I won't do that here, but <laughs> it, it was just, I mean, it was so much better back then. And those two guys, great workers and they could be heels. They could be faces. Um, yeah, I think, you know, Brothers of Destruction definitely on my list. I think the problem was is that even though there was a lot of glaring things that when we're, we were younger, right? I mean, you, I was um, – during most of the Attitude Era, I was a teenager, 12, mm-hmm. 13, 14 years old. You were a little bit older, but the glaring issues that took place, like the Val Venus storyline, the hand stuff, the Katie Vick stuff, so on and so forth – wasn't as glaring because you had all these great other stories around it mm-hmm. and the storytelling was awesome. And then like you would have at the end where like each heel and face would come out and hit each other with a finisher or, or, right. you know, there was a lot of false finishes and, and nowadays you would complain about stuff like that because there's no storytelling. 
Right, well, but, that and and on top of that, at that time, that was so much different than what we had ever seen as wrestling fans before, too. Yeah. You know, that that type of booking and that type of storytelling. You know, wrestling storytelling at the you know at its at its core was always very basic. You know, good guy, bad guy, championship, etc. And the Attitude Era brought in a little more deep soap opera style, I guess you'd say, storytelling. Yeah, it was it was storytelling. So um, my next team on the list would be a bunch of people's, I think, top or one of the tops. I'm going to go with the Acolytes, APA. I have them here. Yes, I have them listed. I, I think Ron Simmons, you weren't – and this is what needs to happen in nowadays wrestling. I'm, I'm not trying to go off on a tangent, but what they did was is they weren't doing anything with Bradshaw right? Ever since the brawl for all, give or take, right? Would you say around that time? Yeah. They weren't doing anything with Bradshaw. Farouk was kind of exiled from the nation and was, you know, jobbing a little bit and had his occasional matches with Ahmed and stuff like that. So they weren't using them. What they did was is they had Taker abduct them, turn them into the acolytes and they evolved. Like they fit mm-hmm. together. They were rough. They were badasses. They could kick people's asses. And then you evolved them even further when you did the APA. So yeah. to me, they're one of the the best Attitude Era tag teams there was. They fit perfectly with the ministry, and they fit perfectly when they did the APA stuff. Yeah, the APA stuff is – all right, so there's there's a lot of um, – what do I want to say? There's a lot of good and bad in – I don't want to say comedy – in wrestling, mm-hmm. not comedy, but to the point of, I guess I'll say this. I'm not a big fan of comedy wrestling. I'll just put it that way. Anybody who listens to my show, I'm not a fan of like an Orange Cassidy or what have you. But what, what, what Ron and John did very well is they intertwined a little bit of that with the drinking and the, 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 the poker playing and everything. Mm-hmm. But the reason that I think that their characters could get away with being funny is then once they got in the ring, it was all business and they whooped that butt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they, and they, they, you watch those guys and it looks legit, you know? And my favorite was when like they're playing cards and someone would get like Buck and like smack his, um, his cigar out of his mouth and they come kick his ass after <laughs> it went from, oh wow, they're joking, like oh, playing cards. Someone would try to smack like Farouk or, or Bradshaw's cigar and they'd get up and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> It's I forget who told the story. Um, it was a shoot interview I saw, but what, there was a wrestler talking about Ron Simmons, or he was talking about interaction with Ron Simmons, you know, and all the ribbing and stuff that went on in the locker room. And this guy said, and of course I'm going to use the letter and not the uh, the word, but he said, Ron, why doesn't anybody ever f with you? And Ron said, because I'm uneffable. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, definitely. APA, acolytes, whatever you want to say. They and they took two guys that were fantastic singles wrestlers. And in the, that's another thing about the attitude era, I think why you wound up with so many great tag teams is the roster was so deep. Yeah. It was hard to have it, it was hard to have everybody be a successful singles wrestler. So you had to almost take two great singles wrestlers and turn them into a great tag team. Mm-hmm. And they did that very effectively with those guys. 
the next team that I have listed, and this one might not have made a lot of people's list, but they did make mine because of their in-ring work and their chemistry with each other, and that was um, Hardcore and Crash Holly. Oh, man, I love Crash when he did the, the stuff where he was the giant and would go after everyone way bigger than him. <laughs> yeah. And he had that scale. Oh, man, I love Crash Holly. May he rest in peace. God rest his soul. Yeah, hardcore busted balls, you know, like. <laughs> but and 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 not just that. Not only the the gimmicks and and their chemistry together, but they were great workers and a great tag team. They were they were like um, uh, they were utility players. You know, you mm-hmm. can put those two guys in the ring with anybody, and they're gonna they're gonna get a good match out of it. Two solid workers, and yeah, like you said, I love the I love the scale gimmick. You know. Um, yep. They worked the they worked the angles of the big show and viscera and et cetera. Et cetera. Mark fun. Henry, yeah, he went after every super heavyweight and was, was like, I'm as heavy as they are. And then hardcore had to come out and save him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. And then that stuff with Al Snow going after the hardcore belt all the time. Mm-hmm. The good yeah. old days. But yeah, that's a good choice. I, I did not have them on my list. The uh they were uh I, I, I just like like kind of like you said about with Kane and, and Mankind. I don't think the Hollies get enough credit for you know they were involved in a lot and a lot of really good matches and uh, and good storylines. And I was always I was always a big fan. And like you said, rest in peace, Crash. Gone too soon. That guy was a great worker for his size. Um, yeah. Almost, almost, almost as good for in his size category as Chris Candido. You know. If they if they would have utilized the cruiserweight division a little better, like WCW did, Crash would have been way more over too. So their light heavyweight division was miles apart from WCW's. Yeah, WW WWF didn't. Um, no, no, <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't Vince's deal. And then they put <laughs> they put the belt on X Pac, and it was just. I mean, I like X Pac, but X Pac never really wrestled cruiserweight like. You know, so I don't think they utilize that division as well as they should have. So absolutely not. Next on my list is another short-lived tag team, but a big, big thing in history, and also one of the highest-rated segments in uh, Raw history. I went with the Rock and Sock Connection, also on my list. Yes, and I know their run wasn't as long as some of the other tag teams. Once again, they. Put mankind. Mankind could work with anybody. Foley could work with anyone. Um, it was two of the highest. This is your life, Rock. Were the highest rated segments in history of Raw, and mm-hmm. nothing will top that. And their their run, their mic stuff, even their feuds when he was a heel and Foley was a face. The stuff that they did, like it culminated, and like the Rock really didn't want to be his tag partner. But then, like, he kind of grew on him a little bit. And I'll tell you, my favorite moment wasn't during the Attitude Era. Well, actually, it was kind of the Attitude Era. It was towards the end. was when Foley was the commissioner and the Rock's in the ring. And he's like, how many times were you the champion, Rock? And Rock goes, and he goes, it doesn't matter how many times you were the champion. (laughs) And then Mick gets out the ring, and he's like, I got you, finally. And he's like, Foley, Foley. (laughs) And Rock's like... 
he can't keep his uh, a smile off his face. He's like smirking, like he couldn't keep he couldn't keep himself from laughing. So I just thought that was one of the one of my favorite moments. I don't think I know that probably you could say Rock's greatest rival was Austin, and I'm taking nothing away from Rock and Austin, but I'd say honestly, them as a team and them as rivals. The Rock and the, my favorite person ever paired up with with Rock was Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. I, I, the pairing of those two guys again, whether against each other or together, was just magic. They were fantastic together. And this, when yeah. this kid when this <laughs> yeah. about to come down, he's like, oh, oh, the best faces in history. Ridiculous, <laughs> but a good ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Foley beats him by pinning him with a skid. <laughs> <laughs> I have listed next Edge and Christian. That's an obvious choice. Yes. And I mean I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna tackle the other two teams in the trifecta there, but Edge and Christian Edge and Christian did and so did so did the other two that we'll discuss, but Edge and Christian did something that that I I have to give them a lot, a lot, actually, more credit for than the other two teams. Mm-hmm. Edge and Christian knew how to how to do a high spot, meaning a high spot isn't something that's supposed to be done throughout the match. It's literally a high spot during the match. They would have a wrestling match and work high spot. They were almost as good at, as the Rock and Roll Express at, at high spots, mm-hmm. you know, giving you a really good wrestling match and then having these moments within that wrestling match that are literally highlight reels. You see them on highlight reels to this day, you know, the spear off the the spear off of the of the the uh, ladder, yeah, the, the ladder, yeah, or um, I mean any number of things, and then. On top of that, back to Mick Foley, that's another two guys that I love interacting with Mick Foley when they were, you know, trying to get out of ta- like the, the chicken suit and and the five second poses and, and all that stuff, you know, just very entertaining and two very talented, talented wrestlers to this day. Yeah. And, and singles tag. I mean, they were kind of sinking a little bit with the brood. Um, I'm thankful that they. And the Ministry of Darkness was brief, but then once they realized the potential that they had in those two, and the the, the comedy skits with Foley were gold. Yeah, <laughs> the strike a pose with the camera. I mean, these they were supposed to be heels, but the fans loved like their comedy. And then yeah. when Kurt Angle was backstage and they were holding up the signs, "Stupid, dumb, you suck," you know. <laughs> um, I mean, I honestly feel like when they did their split, um, it was a bad time. Uh, mm-hmm. I felt like they shouldn't have done it when they did it, and I felt like Christian was kind of floundering a bit because of it. Yes, and it was because their their split came. The, their split should have been to the extent of a split between, say, Owen and Brett. You yeah, know? and and it's, instead, what it became was it became a watered down part of the invasion storyline. Yeah, and and, and they, like they, they turned they edge face. Yeah, you turn Christian heel, you turn Edge face, and then luckily we got to see Edge and Christian. Edge kind of went forward with the rated R superstar and stuff, and then you had Christian. Christian really excelled when he went to TNA. So, mm-hmm. 
I mean, I'll argue you down all day that it probably was his best run singles wise when he went to TNA. But that tag team was the spots. I mean, the ladder matches, they were basically undefeated. The fact that they survived every time, it would piss you off as a fan back then. You're like, how are they still the damn champs? You know, they would pull it off every freaking time. And like the Dudleys and the everyone who was doing that match, the Hardys, the spots in that match, it was something else, man. That, that, and the way Jeff fell from that spear really mm-hmm. sold that spear. Yes. So that's, let's see, who is next on my list? Well, we're going to go back and we're going to talk about, I mean, we already just mentioned them, but I'm going to go a different I'm going to say the New Age Outlaws. Also on my list. They were the the one tag team that helped revolutionize the, you know, the Attitude Era. I mean, you yeah. started pulling them apart. Um from their respective groups, you had the roadie with Jeff Jarrett. He turned on him. Uh, Rockabilly, you know, you you were you weren't using them. See, that was the thing in the Attitude Era. There were a lot of guys that were put in pretty bad storylines, and then they were fixed. Like they figured out a way to whether it was put them in a tag team or give them a good thing. Like with Rocky Maivia, they made him the Rock. With you know. Mm-hmm. So on and so forth. Like they were able to adjust and fix and it became gold. So when you put those two together and then they formed DX, like when I was a kid, I was an ECW guy and I watched some WWE, WWF, whatever. I watched some WCW, but I was more of a WWE guy at the time. So when Triple H came out and he introduced X-Pac, I was like, who's this guy? This ain't that big of a deal. And then, you know, as I'm older now, it was a huge deal. It was six. It was one, two, three, kid, whatever. But you're like, when I was that age, it was what? I was 12, 13 when that happened. I'm like, who's this guy? (laughs) But then you bring the New Age Outlaws in, and it was just gold. Like, DX was gold, and those two Mm -hmm. guys could work. Like, they could really work. Like And once again, it would piss you off because they would somehow win every single time. Every time, yes. And they would cheat to win. And, and they would figure out whatever ways they could to win. So, and, and then I feel like they, they always belong together. When they split them up and Road Dog did his hardcore run and Billy Gunn did his Mr. Ass and then Chuck and Billy and stuff, just didn't have the magic. that it mm-hmm. had. Neither of those two ever had the magic that they had together. And that's what I'll say, too, about them. Definitely the reason that they made my list was kind of what you alluded to at the beginning of what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. They were really the first big tag team of the Attitude Era. You know, you went from you went from having the Godwins and the, and the Body Donnas and Billy mm-hmm. and the Smoking Guns, and it evolves into those. Those teams are kind of fall by the wayside. And here are the New Age Outlaws. And then they went into the feud with – and I have problems many, many – and I won't get into it. But I have many, many problems with the way that I, the Road Warriors were, were booked in the WWF. We, I think we've even talked about it on one of the shows at some point. They were never used right in the WWF ever. No, we could and, have had some really, really good, good, good feuds if you used them right. Mm-hmm. But no, they Vince were, refused. It was as if he knew he didn't create the Road Warriors. So I'm going to – and then you do that stupid storyline where you split them up and Hawk is utilizing something that's going on in his personal life. 
-hmm. and you bring it on the screen. You know, we're, we're not going to get deep into that, but yeah, it was it was a misuse of one of the best, if not the best, tag team ever in history. Nope. Yeah, but what I will say is, and I, I don't necessarily like the fact of the way that it went down because it 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 diminished the 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 in the 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 dominance of the Legion of Doom. But the first thing that really, really got the outlaws over was that LOD feud. You know, they shaved Hawk's head or they shaved the one side of Hawk's mohawk and they put them through the table. And, you know, so they kind of used they kind of used the Road Warriors as a stepping stone for the New Age outlaws, really. Yeah. And then you bring the you bring the Legion of Doom back and they get excited because they come back. I mean, they have Sonny, who was who was a hit then. Right. Who was a hit. Right. You bring her out, and then you bring LOD 2000 out, and you're popping. You're like, holy crap. Like, they're finally going to do something right with these guys. And then they win the Royal, the Rumble, right, or the Battle Royal. And you're like, oh, my God. And then all of a sudden, it just they dissipated again. Yeah. And that's when they went into the garbage with the DOA and the well, – uh, yeah. <laughs> We're in the weeds now. <laughs> the other side of YouTube. <laughs> no tag teams. The next, the next tag team that I have listed, and this is, I, this is what I say is going to be maybe a little controversial for people. I put them on my list, but at the end of the day, to be perfectly honest, I think they were a little overrated. But I can't deny their impact on the Attitude Era, and that is the Dudley Boys. Um, overrated. I think they were used better in ECW, but... I I never found myself really, really, really getting into the Dudleys. I think the Dudleys landed in the right place at the right time to become the legendary team that they were. They were there at the time with the invasion and all that stuff, so they got to be WWF Tag Team Champions and WCW Tag Team Champions and ECW yeah. Tag Team Champions. I actually prefer... Like you said, obviously I prefer the Dudleys and ECW, but I actually prefer Bubba as a heel singles, his work in Impact. Oh, um, Bully Ray was great, yeah. yeah. Um, actually, I, I just talked to, I think it was Archie about this not too long ago. Um, I, you know who reminds me of Bubba? Eddie Kingston reminds me of Bubba. Yeah, but I can't. I can't get out of my head now. Him overselling that ring exploding. I just can't yeah, get past yeah. it now. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I, just, I just and then he's like fainted, and I'm like, come on, no, this is so bad. I can't get it out of my head. Like it'll never leave my head. Watching that, I'm like, what is going on here? No, but Kingston's awesome. But man, boy, they screwed him on that one. Yeah, they sure did. Oh man! Like I said, the Dudleys. Like I can't. I even though I I technically am not a huge fan. I can't deny their impact of the Attitude Era, the the three way feud with the Hardys and Christian. Um, yeah. The the just I mean, and, and they were always solid, and they were always really super over with the crowd, and they What's were <laughs> they were mega stars in the Attitude Era. There's no deny of it, denying it. Oh, they were good. I thought Bubba and Devon were better in ECW. I like the, mm -hmm. you know, the stuttering and the, yeah. you know, all the other Dudleys, you know, Dances with Dudley, Big D Dudley, you know. I yeah. thought that was gold stuff, but 
I I agree, but I think I don't think they were overrated. I think they were given more opportunities than like maybe the acolytes or the um, you know of the world would have got should have gotten. So, but right. I, I think they they fit and they did what they needed to do. And I love watching him power bomb May Young and just sit there and stare into the air, <laughs> crazy. Like I love that area when they were heels and they were putting everyone through tables. Mm-hmm. And the fact that ninety year old woman can take a bump through a table just says yep. a lot. She told Bubba, don't you take it easy on me. <laughs> no, he put her ass through that table. And he's like. Yes, ma'am. That shit was great. My next team is the Hardy Boys. Obviously, they're on everyone's list. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they were probably one of the greatest tag teams during that era. When they were with uh, Michael Hayes, that was gold. When they were heels first getting started. Um, they help revolutionize the tables, ladders, and chair matches. Jeff Hardy would take bumps, sometimes unnecessarily. I think Matt Hardy, in my humble opinion, ended up having the better singles career. Yeah. But because of what Jeff was doing personally and to himself. But um, I will say that they had some of the best matches ever. And a lot yeah. of it was those gimmicky matches, but that's what they were known for. Well, and at that time, it was innovative. Yeah. You know, it was it was purely innovative, and I agree with you about Matt. I think not only I, to be honest with you, not only did, did, did I think Jeff's personal demons affect obviously his career, but I always, I mean, if you take the two of them, Matt's a much better promo too, you know, and yeah. and uh, Jeff Jeff's I think. And, and I know we're talking about them as a tag team, but we kind of have delved into it with, with their feud with Edge of Christian, the Dudleys, et cetera. And they were innovative and you can look at them now 20 years later and say that you're looking at a generation of wrestlers that was inspired by them. Yeah. Much the generation before was inspired by the rockers and the heart foundation. Um, so they, they laid the groundwork for the future. And yeah, most definitely. I, I, I think that as a singles with their singles careers, when Jeff was best is when Jeff was playing the role of the underdog yeah. from underneath. You know, like the rivalry in, in what was it, oh eight with Triple H over the world championship and you know and I really, really love Jeff's feud with CM Punk too. Um but yeah, definitely Matt was the better, I think, on the singles end, mainly because of promo. And I think Matt Matt is also, at the end of the day, bell-to-bell bell, probably a better wrestler, whereas Jeff is more of a spectacle, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's not yeah. saying anything about Jeff. Just, Of course, everyone hated Matt when he was version two and had uh, Shannon Moore with him. I, um, I love V1. Nah, I love that stuff. I yeah, no, I mean you really hated him though. You hated to love. Oh him, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Gimmick. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, he was he was definitely doing it right. But man, I have, I have one that might be kind of out of left field for some people again, um, like when I talked about the Hollies. But I listed the Headbangers. Yeah. And reason being, I think more than anything was, again, they were part of the, the what do I want to say, the infancy of the Attitude Era. 
You know, they had they had the few with the outlaws where they, you know, the boom box busted over Masha's head. And they were they were they were one of the tag teams that helped carry the division in the downtime between between the new generation era and the attitude era. And then in the attitude era, they were always in the mix and they were always there. You could always rely on them to have a good tag team match, whether or not they were champions or not, you know, but. I like the headbangers. I thought they were a good tag team. And I think that they get a little forgotten in, in the history of wrestling just because their main time was just right before the big attitude era hit, but they were one of my favorites during the attitude era. Yeah. I, I liked the headbangers and I felt they did their job. They were asked to job a lot, you know, back when they, I know, I know now it's insulting to call it jobbing. You kind of call it now just losing, but um, back then, that's what they called it. And when you and when you went when you went out and, and lost, whether it was five minutes, two minutes, you were doing the job. That's what it was called. Right. Um, my next team is maybe I don't think it's in left field, but I don't know if a lot of people put it on the list. It's too cool. I have too cool here. So I know a lot of folks would argue they were kind of a, a thruple because they had Rakishi running around with them and stuff, but. I mean, and they never really, uh, not that I could recall, really had a tag title run, even though they deserved one. Um, and, you know, but I feel like they did, they, they had a bunch of iterations. You know, they were too sexy. They were too much. And they just weren't finding their niche. And then finally they got it right. They're like, all right, mm-hmm. we're going to put them with Rikishi. We're going to do the stand stuff. And it was a hit. Like the glasses, yeah. the dancing. Uh Grandmaster Sexay could wrestle. Like he had Lawler in his blood. You could tell that he was trained and knew what he was doing. And and honestly, had they used him properly as a singles competitor, he probably would have had a nice title run. Because he 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 had that Lawler like skill. Oh yeah. Whereas, you know, Scott Taylor, who's now a trainer, by the way, and knows a lot about the business was floundering so those two together you had gold yeah see what and i did there <laughs> no pun <laughs> they you had maximum gold yeah they 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 uh the charisma of them with rikishi together was was almost unparalleled during that era you look at those crowds go back and watch some of that stuff i promise you this folks and i want to get to another thing real quick too but i promise you this if you watch those attitude era Watch some Raws from 2000, okay? The biggest pops you're going to hear are for The Rock, Stone Cold, and then Too Cool. Because they worked that crowd into a frenzy and people were having fun. And I want to tell you that if you look at the Attitude Era, let's be honest, okay? If we're talking about pro wrestling, all right? And pro wrestling, we're supposed to spend belief and pretend it's real and get caught up in it. And that's the beauty of it as an art. Two of the stupidest moves <laughs> in the history of wrestling ooh, are, ooh, are ooh. The, 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 yeah, the rock bottom and the worm. And, and they are two of the most over moves. So there you and go. And the people's you elbow was pretty bad too. And then, and then Cena's. Oh, that's what I meant, the people's elbow, not the rock bottom. That's what I meant. And, Cena's, and Cena's move was kind of, you know, where he does the, and then the little chop mm-hmm. and stuff. He, yeah. And, yeah. It's almost but as bad as the Cobra when uh, Santino Morello was using it. He's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> 
Like and him and Foley with Sako and Cobra going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, about, those, those two moves are ridiculous. How about any combination? You can have any combination of the four, really. The radicals. Yeah, I mean, they came in at a time when they left because they didn't like Kevin Sullivan booking again. Mm-hmm. So they left, and I mean, they they were, you know, I think together they were good. I mean, you could put Eddie Guerrero with anybody, and he makes them look amazing. You know, Benoit was amazing. Malenko, who was the one that was underutilized, is probably one of the best out of all of them in the ring, technically-wise. I mean, and then even Saturn was good, except, you know, that he was stuck with a bunch of really bad storylines. You know, like loving mops and wearing dresses and <laughs> moppy, <laughs> moppy, and even though moppy was pretty over, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah you're right. <laughs> but I mean, for some reason, we love shit like that. Moppy, horsey. What was the horse's name? Chavo had Pepe, horsey. Pepe. Pepe. Yeah. Ed. Right. Sako. <laughs> We love stuff like that. We're weird. The era. <laughs> we got we got mops, we got laundry, we got all kind of shit in the ring at the attitude era. Reminds me of freaking Bobby Heenan's uh uh Hall of Fame speech when he's talking about the eighties. He's like, You got the Samoans, you got the two birds, you got the killer bees. <laughs> If you haven't watched, not to go off on a tangent, but if you haven't watched Heenan's 2004 induction speech, go and watch it. You'll do yourself a favor. Yes. Um, I love it when he says, when the crowd's cheering for him and he says, you won't offend me with cash. I love that. And then Then he comes. Yeah, go ahead. And then he says something about, you know, being married to his wife for 32 years or whatever. And they cheer and he goes, ah. You haven't had the meatloaf. <laughs> His favorite, my favorite, was when he's like, "You would go nuts naked in your underwear watching Golden Girls all day." <laughs> then he comes back. Are we getting paid for this? And Mean Gene's like, "He's like, then I'm drinking." <laughs> you know what? When Bobby Heenan died, the world became a less funny place, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. He's up there ribbing folks right now with Owen Hart. <laughs> That would have been a nice tandem. You put those two together. Oh man! <laughs> All right. So you you did the radicals. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with, and this is gonna surprise everybody. But since you went with a four, I'm gonna go with um the. We're gonna go with what the what was their stable name? Why can't I remember it now? The oddities. Okay. I'm picking the oddities, and I'm gonna tell you. You said the pop for too cool was big. I'm telling you right now, and people might think I'm freaking weird, but I loved John Tenta's Golga. I thought he played the hell out of that character. I thought Luna was great. Luna's always been great. Mm-hmm. I liked Silva and uh, Kurgan. Kurgan. I, I feel like Kurgan was booked as a monster, and you were surprised when he came out dancing. Mm-hmm. The oddities were great, man, and I thought if they were booked appropriately and correctly, they could have had a nice run. Unfortunately, it didn't last long enough. No, um, let me ask, let me ask you a question about the oddities, and you might tell. I I was a fan of the oddities. <clears throat> excuse me, I was a fan of the oddities before they made them 
a lighthearted babyface gimmick. I liked like the dark carnival when they first came in and they were doing like kind of a dark carnival thing with them with, with the Jackal. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I actually really, that I thought that could have, that had some, some feet that could have went somewhere. And then they went the opposite direction with it. And I'm not dissing that at all, but what do you think? Do you think if they would have kept him in that dark carnival kind of, they could have done both. I would have enjoyed it either. You know, you booked Kurgan as a monster to begin with. Mm-hmm. I mean, Golga is a monster. I mean, he was earthquake, right? Most folks right. did not know that, but you know, some of us did. I mean, you had three big, you know, three really big guys, <laughs> you know, and I, and then you put Luna with them, who's super crazy and could beat any woman's ass if she wanted. I think they could have, they could have ran with that. They could have put belts on each one of them. They could have gave Luna the women's title for a while. Again, they could have went either direction, but when they put them as baby faces and that pop that they got, it was huge. Like everybody was dancing and bringing Cartman's to the show. And well, even, even, even though I wasn't necessarily a fan at the time, it was smart to pair them up with ICP too, because at that time ICP was really popular. And I don't know if you know this story or not. You said a lot of people didn't know it was earthquake. There was a crowd. There was a crowd in, I believe it was in Virginia that knew it was Earthquake. Did you ever hear about the, the Golga-Steve Regal match that never aired on Raw? <laughs> no, I actually didn't. Regal went to toss. It was, it was on obviously a taped Raw. But Regal went to toss uh, Tenta out of the ring, and he had him by the mask, and the mask came off. Oh, snap. Like a kind of like a Shockmaster type deal. Yeah. So Crazy. then the rest, of, the rest of the match, the crowd's just chanting, Earthquake, Earthquake. But yeah, anyway, yeah, that crowd knew that it was John Tenta, but most people probably didn't pick up on it unless they were reading the dirt sheets at the time. I think it was real. Di- I mean, and then a couple of years later, who would have thought he would try out again as Earthquake, right? Mm-hmm. And try to come <laughs> back, and then they made him try out. I'm like, really? But, really? Um, <laughs> But that that was my one of my favorites too, and I thought that was huge. And I thought it could have gone a little longer. And then of course they split ICP away and put them with the Headbangers. And then they had they had them lose to the Headbangers a couple times. And I thought that kind of kind of soured the run for a little bit. So yeah, um, I only have a couple more listed here. Um, one that I listed, and the, I, I have I have only one issue with it i never thought okay during the attitude era let's be honest folks the late 90s and early 2000s as far as society went with jerry springer and howard stern and all the popularity of the controversial wwf attitude and everything people were people liked raunchy entertainment back then yeah and the what is the best way to get super duper atomic heel heat when people love raunchy entertainment, put Steven Richards in a suit and tie and put on the rights of censor. Oh, man, that was all their theme. It's in my head. Oh, but they were were so bad. It was so good. Yeah, they were. and, And the only thing that I didn't like about the right to censor was I personally did not, probably because... 
to me, it just, you know, sometimes they give somebody a gimmick in wrestling and it's so not them that it just doesn't work. They can't be that. Making the Godfather the good father. (laughs) Because Charles Wright's not that guy. You know what I mean? Like actually Val Venus becoming Val Venus and the right to censor is more like Val Venus is in real life. He's a conservative he, you know, so it was easy for him and it worked for him. But for, for Charles Wright, man, it just didn't work because it felt so not natural for him. I was the, was I the only one that loved when China destroyed Ivory at WrestleMania? That was fun. Oh, that was so <laughs> good. Like, was so beat her ass was, and then powerbombed her and beat her in like two minutes. Oh, that yeah, was so good. And it was, it was because there was good pro wrestling storytelling because they built it up. Ivory talked so much shit going into that match. And, and then, then injured her neck. Yeah, injured yeah. her neck before the match months before. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. It was good. I mean, they were making fun of the censors, so I get why they did it. Um, that made absolute sense on uh, why they would do that. So, I mean, I, I, I agree with it. That's a good choice um, there. Uh, I'm going to go – I'm getting kind of low on, on folks – uh, during that time, but I'm going to go with Triple H and Stone Cold two man power trip. And you know what? Like, that's funny that you said you said it, and I didn't even write them down. I didn't even I don't know I didn't even think about it. That's a good call. I, I think that Triple H getting injured kind of ruined that run. But those two were like, I mean, I hated the whole Stone Cold heel run, but this was the thing that saved it, in my opinion. Triple H mm. was just so hated. I mean, ever since he like freaking pretended he sedated Stephanie and married her, which was gold. I did it again, <laughs> gold. That whole Stephanie stuff when she was marrying Test, and then, oh, man, he was such an asshole. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do, I do. <laughs> I like, most definitely do. I most definitely do. And he just smirks at the camera. It's like, really, this is good. This is so good. And it's one of um, it's one of Vince's best reactions to something ever, too. Yeah, it's like when he's pulling on the ear. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, like when they played that stand back video, it was great shit too. That's good shit. I've got that. Um, but I, I would just say that it didn't go long enough because Triple H hurt himself. But man, people hated Triple H, and what what that worked for Stone Cold was is he just wasn't. You just couldn't. Be, I couldn't believe him as a heel. I mean, I did mm-hmm. like the guitar stuff, telling Vince he loved him playing the guitar. Yeah. But then you bring him against the Alliance, and he beats everyone's ass with a pool cue. And you're like, oh, he's back. This is great. Nobody wanted the shit he was doing anyways. <laughs> it's good. And then you turn him uh, to the Alliance. And I get it. That's where what came from. And mm-hmm. some of that stuff was good. And you had the milk bath from Kurt Angle, which was freaking great. It had its good moments. But I felt like they did this because they couldn't get the WCW guys out of oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, to definitely. come out of their contracts from sitting at home. So they figured we need to just load this up with our guys and, and sprinkle some WCW and ECW guys in. So it, oh, yeah. it made the invas- invasion watered down. And then after that shit was done, you have him and Triple H get together. They win the tag belts. I think at the time Austin was the champ as well on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Triple H was like freaking the, the biggest heel in the company at the time, in my opinion. 
everybody hated his guts. It just worked for me, and it just didn't. It would have lasted longer if Triple H didn't hurt himself. So, yeah. the The only other team that I have listed because I I listed DX, but we kind of discussed DX when we talked about the New Age Outlaws. Yeah. Um, the only other team that I have listed, kind of an honorable mention, because I liked them as a tag team and as a unit. And that is Test and Albert TNA with Trish Stratus. Oh, you got Trish. Enough said. You brought Trish yeah. into the business. So, mm-hmm. and and obviously Test and Albert were put together just as a vehicle to introduce Trish to the WWF. But I thought they were good. I was never a big fan of Test as a as a as a singles wrestler. I was a fan of Albert, but I actually dug them as a tag team. I thought they were really. They should have got a run with the belts. I think. Yeah, and Albert is obviously knowledgeable and knows his shit because he's still a trainer to this day. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so obviously, you know, there's a reason why, um, you know, that, that's a good choice. I, I agree with that. I got a few honorable mentions at some uh, – I'll just run down the list so we're not going through all of them. I had um, Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that was like a couple matches. Um but they were tremendous together. Only only Terry Funk, who, by the way, is getting in the We Can't Wrestle Hall of Fame this year, damn it. Anyway, um, only Terry Funk would, would, would say, I've been in the wrestling business for 35 years. Everybody knows who I am, but I'm going to put a pantyhose on my head and pretend I'm somebody else and pretend they don't know who I am. I, it's yeah. so classic. It's classic. Classic Terry Funk. <laughs> Yeah, I love Funk. You just put a sock on his, a fucking pantyhose on his head, and give me a damn chainsaw, and I'll I'll work with it. And, you know, know, and then you put him and, and Foley in the Rumble against each other. That was classic. Yeah. So another honorable mention because it was during this time. I know they were not in the WWE, so it really wasn't Attitude Era. But we're gonna I'm gonna bring them up anyways. It's Harlem Heat. Oh, yeah. I think they deserve to be discussed, even though they weren't. And then my other was the beginning of the Attitude Era, in my humble opinion, the very beginning, when you were really starting to get it, where Brett was bitching and Austin 316 was starting to come out, was the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Yep. I, I get they were the very beginning, beginning, but I I believe that they count, and I believe that if if what ha- didn't happen to Owen happened, and he wasn't the Blue Blazer ever, it would have been they would have been a big tag team, and he probably would have cycled in and out with Brett too. So we would have yeah. had some great great storylines for them. So definitely, they are and Harlem Heat, both Harlem Heat and Owen and Bulldog are each in my personal top 10 favorite tag teams of all time. So I like those mentions. That's all I've got. Everybody else you can think of were, weren't really tag teams during the attitude era. I mean, someone could argue, well, what about the Steiner brothers? Well, they were separated right? and they were in WCW. I mean, you could argue about the Steiners. I mean, you could say LLD, but they weren't utilized correctly. So we're not talking about attitude. We're talking just that time frame. So the LLD wasn't one of the top tag teams then. No, no, they weren't. They were pretty much jobbed out for the attitude era. So, um, and, and also because of the pace of the booking at that time, you have a lot of tag teams that were together for not too long or whatever. Mm-hmm. They just do two guys together because they need one of them to do something on TV. Um, uh, example head cheese 
you know, Steve Blackman and, and Al Snow. Oh, I love Blackman and Snow. They were great. Yeah. The, 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 one of my favorite things with those two is the when they're at the dairy farm and Steve Blackman goes to town on the cow with his nunchucks. <laughs> Reminds me of when you had Mankind with Al Snow and they went to the strip joint with Flicking yeah. quarters at the strippers. Yeah. <laughs> There's more where those came from. <laughs> and then you can honestly, you could also bring up, and it wasn't long lived. You can bring up when they had Blackman with Samrock and with Severn, and they had the three headed mm-hmm. beast UFC slash martial arts guys. And had they ran with that a little longer, that would have went very well. So yeah. that's another thing. But I loved head cheese. Blackman was like just not wanting to deal with it. Like they did not mesh at all. That's what made them a great tag team. Absolutely. They're like this is not. They don't. There's nothing about these two guys that mesh. But they. I will also say that Goldust and Booker T should be mm-hmm. brought up too. Yep. I know that was more ruthless aggression ish, but that was kind of attitude error. And Goldust was once again. I'm going to use this word. He was gold. During that time. Yeah, together they were super stupid entertaining. Just amazing together. If I give you a sleep of my Slurpee, will you give me a bite of your hot dog? (laughs) (laughs) And then Goldust doing the the Tourette's gimmick. Yeah. And and then when he's in the bed and uh, Booker T walks in with his date, he's like, I want you. To leave the NWO, and he kicks the light on. He's like in the bed in the lingerie with Booker, and Booker's like, "Oh!" And he gets it. You see his ass, and he leaves. Goldust is like, "I wore this for nothing." <laughs> <laughs> man, that stuff. And then when he's in the Darth Vader outfit, man, stupid good, stupid. It was good. so good. Like they should have put they should have put the belts on them for a while. It was just so good. So. Well, that is that. For those of you listening on WrestleNet Radio, that wraps up the Maximum Gold uh, portion of the show. But I think David has has more for us, don't you? Uh, I don't know if I'm going to to. I don't know. We only have about eight viewers now. It's getting kind of late. I'll probably do an auction Sunday evening, okay. so we can get some more folks in. Uh, a lot of the folks started listening to us early, and I'll probably catch the rest of the show on the radio. Mm-hmm. So, but um, yeah, I mean, a lot of folks are just relaxing now, and probably were waiting for me to go live a couple hours ago. So I'll probably <laughs> postpone, you know, because I was being lazy tonight. So, <laughs> well, this show so, this show will be up on Sunday evening on WrestleNet Radio. So, if you're listening right now. Sunday evening, you can go to the asylum <laughs> and be part of the live auction. Yep. And if you guys want to hear more, we'll be probably back next week. And I think we're going to review the actual teams of the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, during the golden era of wrestling, back when we had Turner versus Golden Era McMahon. Or you can also say Crockett. Some mm-hmm. of it was Crockett versus McMahon. So. So what are we're we gonna go over because there was way about? more tag teams than what the Attitude Era had, in my opinion. Are we time. talking like eighty-eight to ninety-three? Yeah, I'd say that's a good spread, and I think you're gonna you're gonna find there's gonna be about a hundred more tag teams than what there was during the Attitude Era. So, mm-hmm. but you also had a bunch more competition during that time. You know, you still had yeah. the NWAs and the Mid Souths and the Memphis and all that stuff. So. 
Um, but all right, thank you all for tuning in, uh, watching us live on the Asylum page and everywhere else. And uh, if you missed out anything, you can get this on WrestleNet Radio on the We Can't Wrestle podcast show. So thank you for joining us, everybody. And we will see you next week with more Maximum Gold. Bam.